Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 12 once again. And I want to encourage you that, uh, to, to try to memorize the Beatitudes. Um, I think that this is one portion of Scripture that every Christian should strive to have, uh, to know off by heart. So Matthew 5, beginning in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that your word is more than sufficient. And God, we ask that by your spirit now, you would take your word and accomplish your purposes in us. Sanctify us in your truth. Strengthen us, convict us, rebuke us, encourage us. Have your way within us, Lord, as we look to your word now. Give us understanding, a knowledge that would lead to obedience and a desire to want to honor you in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, um, thus far we've looked at uh, what it means to be poor in spirit. And we saw really to be poor in spirit is to acknowledge and feel one's spiritual bankruptcy before a holy God. We also looked at last week what it means to be a spiritual mourner. And really spiritual mourning is, is uh, really this, this mourning over one's own spiritual poverty and sinfulness. So you are a spiritual mourner because you realize you are poor in spirit. And so in a sense you could really say spiritual mourning is biblical repentance. You mourn your sin and you want to live a life holy and pleasing to God. So now we come to the third beatitude in this section in verse 5 where Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Now this needs to be said from the outset. Not only do the first two beatitudes demonstrate how different the Christian is supposed to be from the world, but this beatitude in particular demonstrates how utterly different Christians are to be and how utterly different they're to operate than the world operates. Meekness isn't a desirous virtue from a worldly perspective. The natural man doesn't see meekness as a worthy pursuit. See, the pursuit of meekness in a world where power is everything, it seems kind of absurd. Yet apart from love, I would probably argue that meekness might be what the Christian ought to pursue above all else. In fact, what would cause Christians to really stand out in our world is if they were truly known for their meekness. Now, I realize I'm throwing this word around as though we all understand what it is. And so 
let's this evening look at what meekness is. We're, we're going to define it. And then we're going to look at what the reward or the blessing is for the meek. So meekness defined, that's point number one. Now, from the outset, I just need to say this. Meekness is actually really difficult to define. Um, and it's, it's probably best to define it first by saying what it isn't. Okay, and then we can look at what it is. Now, all of us here probably have an idea of meekness. And so I want to open this up for, for a time of discussion. What would you say meekness isn't? In other words, I think a lot of people have an idea of what meekness is that it actually isn't. We, we correlate meekness with certain other things that it really isn't. So, so what would you say are some of the things that meekness isn't? Any thoughts? Cowardice. Yes, absolutely. It's not cowardice. Yeah. It's not weakness. It's not weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts? And I think that's important to say because um, meekness is combat compatible with strength and authority and power. Jesus had strength and authority and power, and yet he was meek. So it's not weakness. It's not timidity. It's not timidity. Like yeah. Someone that is um, shy or timid oh they're such a meek person absolutely yeah yeah it's not timidity it's not shyness or insecurity um you, you you've listed off most of the things that i i put here I, I said it's not being a pushover it's not flabbiness that is a uh, giving little resistance jesus gave resistance and yet he was meek so if meekness isn't that then what would you say meekness is any thoughts? How would you define meekness? Or things that would at least relate to it. Can you think of any biblical examples? I would say it's strength or power. Okay. But tempered with control. Okay. So, uh, not physical strength, but right, right. when Satan tempted Jesus to turn the mm. stones into bread. Right, right. He had the power, but he controlled it. Mm. Okay, yeah. Inner Just strength. Inner strength, okay. Any other thoughts? There's definitely some truth to that. Um, someone look up for me First uh, Peter 3, 3 to 4. Volunteer? Melvin, you got it? So 1 Peter 3, 3 to 4. And then, Cora, can you look up for me Matthew 11, 28 to 29? 1 Peter 3, 3 to 4. Yeah. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting, away, putting on of clothing. But let your adorning be of the hidden person, of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle spirit which in God's sight is very precious okay great so of course that's a that's a, an exhortation Peter's giving to wives right and he says there um, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit that word gentle there is the same Greek word that is used here in Matthew 5 for the meek okay now Cora read Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 29 Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Great. So that word gentle there, right, for I am gentle, same word. For I am meek, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now you can see how gentle, lowly, meek, they're all connected there, right? Um, so in a very simple definition, we could say this. Meekness is to have, in a sense, a gentle, humble spirit. Um, and which is tied to self-control, right? In order for you to be gentle, you must have self-control. Now, meekness um, impacts our relationship to God and others, right? Matthew Henry states this, the meek are those who quietly submit themselves to God and are gentle towards all men. See, this, this beatitude fall, follows poverty of spirit and spiritual mourning, which means meekness begins with a right estimate of oneself before God and then toward others, right? As Martin Lloyd-Jones says, this meekness denotes a humble and gentle attitude to others, which is determined by a true estimate of ourselves. The meek individual is gentle, humble, patient in his dealing with others. He doesn't attack those who attack him. Now, this virtue is foreign to the natural man. It's the meek that are able to turn the other cheek, which Jesus later speaks about in Matthew in his Sermon on the Mount. It's the meek who are able to love their enemies. It's the meek who are able to patiently endure suffering and difficulty. It's the meek who are not easily offended by criticism. You see, if you're poor in spirit and meek, then you'll know that most criticism you receive isn't as bad as what you probably deserve. As Spurgeon once said, if any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are worse than he thinks you to be. <laughs> See, there are a lot of examples of meekness in the scriptures, but none greater, of course, than Jesus himself. Jesus was a man of meekness and gentleness in his dealing with others. The gentleness by which he cared for the leper or the woman at the well. Jesus was gentle with the sinner and the brokenhearted. You know, it's interesting that, and Spurgeon is actually the one who made mention of this, it's interesting that in, in all the accounts of the Gospels, there is only one time where Jesus tells us about his own heart. He tells us that he's gentle or meek and lowly. Dane Ortland uh, says this about Jesus in his book that he recently wrote called Gentle and Lowly. If we were asked to say only one thing about who Jesus is, we would be honoring Jesus's own teaching if our answer is gentle and lowly. Now, does, does this mean in all circumstances we're called to be gentle? Well, no, of course not. Remember, the Beatitudes are a general principle. But in general, what should define the Christian is gentleness, meekness. There are times in Jesus's ministry where he wasn't gentle. There were times where he was actually quite harsh, even firm. For example, we know that he flipped the tables of the money changers in the temple. He spoke with extreme firmness and even harshness towards the hypocritical, self-righteous Pharisees for the yoke that they placed on other people that they themselves did not follow. But this was the exception to his ministry. It isn't what defined his ministry. 
Even the Apostle Paul, when you read his letters, there are moments of harshness and firmness, but it's the exception. It's not the norm of either Jesus's or Paul's ministry. It was what you could call their strange work. It's kind of like what theologians call when they speak of God's judgment. It's his strange work. It's, it's, not, it's not really what defines God. See, even the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 to 8, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. You know, I find too many Christians justify their harshness because they see Paul and Jesus being harsh. But harshness isn't what defined their ministries. And sadly, there are many Christians who are known far more for their harshness than their gentleness. To be meek is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of Christ-likeness. It's a sign of self-control. Matthew Henry beautifully states this about the meek. The meek are those who can bear provocation, that is harassment, without being inflamed by it, are either silent or return a soft answer, who can be cool when others are hot, and in their patience keep possession of their own souls when they can scarcely keep possession of anything else. They are the meek who would rather forgive 20 injuries than revenge one. See, there's no one who exemplified this more than Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, 21 to 23, Peter says this, For to this you have been called, and of course what he's referring to there is, You've been called to suffer unjustly as followers of Christ. And he says, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And then then we read this. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. The meek do not revile. The meek do not threaten in return. The meek entrust themselves to the God who judges justly. Can I just be frank? The way I see so many Christians conducting themselves on social media, it undermines everything about this beatitude. And I think it's a stench in the nostrils of God. Let me read Titus 3, 1 to 2. And when I read it, ask yourself whether or not this truly reflects your life. Paul says this, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. And then he says this, To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people, yes, even corrupt politicians. This is what it means to be meek. And I think an important question for all of us is, are we meek? And do we even desire to be meek? 
the world will not praise you for your meekness. So that's what meekness is. That is meekness defined. Secondly, we need to look at the reward or the blessing of the meek. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, this might be one of the most absurd statements Jesus ever spoke. The meek shall inherit the earth. Rome didn't become the great empire it became because of meekness. Rome didn't conquer the world because of meekness. Alexander the Great didn't conquer all that he conquered because of meekness. The British Empire didn't become an empire because of meekness. The United States didn't become the world power that it is because of meekness. Yet Jesus says it's the meek who will inherit the earth. But the reality is this. If you think about it, the meekest man to ever walk the earth has more followers and loyal subjects than any person in history. And his loyal subjects are all across the nations. The gospel message about a meek servant crucified on a cross flipped the Roman world upside down. Or you could say it flipped the Roman world right side up. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus doesn't say that the meek will conquer the earth. He says they will inherit it. To conquer is to take it by force. To inherit is to receive it. See, as Christians, we do not take the earth by the sword. We do not take the earth through political means. We inherit it from the one who has conquered for us, namely Jesus. You know, it's interesting, Jesus in this beatitude is actually drawing our attention to Psalm 37, which is considered a messianic psalm. It's the psalm that Bev read for us. So turn quickly to Psalm 37. This is, I think, a profound psalm, and I think, to be honest with you, it is very timely for us um, as Christians living in North America with everything that's going on politically in the States, um, with everything that's going on with our own country. But, but look at how, how it begins. David says this, fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Right? Don't be worried because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Why? For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Don't stress out over evildoers because their timing is short. So then what ought we to do when we see evil rampant in our society, when we see politically corrupt leaders, what ought we to do? Verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Now look at this, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. That's the first reference in Psalm 37 to dwelling in the land, okay? Now jump down to verse seven. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. That is, don't give into anger when you see evildoers doing evil things. Refrain from it, forsake wrath, fret not yourself. Why? It tends only to evil. To worry, to be anxious, to fret over what's happening in our society, it tends only to evil in your life. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Second reference to inheriting the land. 
Those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. Then look at this, verse 11. This is, this is what Jesus is referring to in, in, uh, in Matthew 5, 5. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Verse 12. The wicked plots against the righteous and gashes his teeth at him, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for, see, for he sees that his day is coming. Are there people in our society right now who are plotting wickedness against the church of Jesus Christ? Without a doubt, yes, there is. And yet Jesus says, or sorry, David says, the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. And then you go down a little bit further, and you see um, in verse 20, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like the smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. And then we have the fourth reference to the inheriting the land. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. And then you jump over to verse 27. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever, for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. And then here is the fifth reference. But the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. And then you jump down to verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. That is the sixth reference. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. It's an incredible song. But here's the point. Right now, it looks like the wicked are inheriting the earth. And Psalm 37 and this beatitude in Matthew 5 are telling us that though the wicked may flourish for a season and conquer the earth for a season, they will be destroyed. Therefore, fret not. Rome conquered for a season. Alexander conquered for a season. Hitler conquered for a season, but they are no more. Fret not. And though the righteous and the meek may suffer for a time, they will in fact inherit the land. They will inherit the earth. You see, the meek are those who are able to trust God and surrender to his will, even if it means they may suffer unjustly for a time. Now, it's important to ask, what does Jesus actually mean when he says, inherit the earth, the meek will inherit the earth? Of course, in Psalm 37, which he's referring to, it's specifically speaking to the promised land that God had promised Israel, right? But when you follow the promise of the land from the Old Testament all the way through into the New Testament, into the end, into the book of Revelation, you discover that the promised land is fulfilled in the new heavens and new earth. In other words, when Jesus says the meek shall inherit the earth, he's pointing to the day when the meek will reign with Christ in the new creation. And all the new creation will be theirs under Christ's rule and reign. There will be not one square inch of the new creation that will be under the control of the wicked. Not one square inch. All the earth, the whole new creation will belong to the meek. There will always be temptation as Christians 
to overcome the wicked through aggressive means. But the Christian must remember that our weapons are not the weapons of this world. We don't conquer hate with hate. We conquer hate with love. We don't conquer pride with pride. We conquer pride with humility. We don't conquer anger with anger. We conquer anger with gentleness. We don't inherit the earth by political means. We inherit the earth through Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be engaged politically. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't use our citizenship to stand up for the truth and what's right. For example, with with this new bill that the liberal government is trying to pass, uh, pass, Bill C-6, I believe it is called, where they're trying to illegalize conversion therapy. And the, the problem with the bill is that it's not defined clearly what they mean by that. We as Christians ought to use our citizenship to speak out against this bill, to contact our MPs and to express to them our concern over this bill because it has the potential of criminalizing godly people. So it it does mean that we ought to be engaged, but it doesn't mean, sorry, but it does mean we never place our hope in any political leader. Nor does it mean we fret when a godless political leader is in power. I think America right now, and Christians in America need to realize this. Fret not the evildoer. Fret not the one who is in political power, whether it be Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Nor do we despair when our society becomes more and more hostile to all that we value and cherish as Christians. The fact is, we're strangers and aliens in this world, but there will be a day when the meek, the children of God, will inherit all that the wicked have sought in vain. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we confess to you that quite often, Lord, meekness does not define us. We easily fall prey to the values of our society strength and harshness and power and all these things that are so contrary to your ways at times. And I pray, Lord, that as individuals and as people of Royal York, we would be a meek people, gentle and humble in spirit, lowly like Christ was. That when people respond or speak to us in arrogance and condemnation and ungodly ways, that we would respond with gentleness and kindness. Help us to have self-control over ourselves. Help us to remember who we are before you, that we are nothing and have nothing to offer. So Lord, I pray that we as your people would be a people who are meek. And Lord, give us the endurance to persevere, to look forward to that day where one day No longer will the wicked reign over the earth. No longer will they conquer the earth, but the meek will inherit it. We long for that day, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name.